Welcome to the Cannabis Data Science Meetup Group, fun group of cannabis enthusiasts, data scientists, anyone who's interested in wrangling data in the cannabis space. So see a bunch of friendly faces um, and then Prince introduced herself. Um, so good to see you, Grant, Hector, Tammy, Candice. Just to yeah, give everybody a chance to speak if you want. Before Candice and I spill the beans about some of the nifty things that we've been cooking up, um, does anyone else want to speak? I'll just go around and just see if anyone has any you know topics that you're curious um, in, in tackling in the coming months because we're actually ready to employ our talents onto some new projects. Um, so I'll maybe hint at some of those um, because as I'll we'll demonstrate today. One of these tools that we're cooking up is is coming along nicely. So before we get to this, Hector, um, anything on your plate or agenda? No, um, I'm still, you know, looking for work, and uh, I'm doing some projects on the side with uh, data analysis just to keep my skills fresh. Um, I'm excited to see what you have for us today. Too cool, and. One of the highest in demand things is, so we've done natural language processing. And one thing that we may attempt to do, I don't think, yeah, we haven't done it yet, um, is natural language generation. So that takes it one step further. So that's almost given a prompt, create text. And there's actually a nifty application for this um so technically that's data science so um yeah so we can actually maybe move on to this before too too long so that's another teaser so but, awesome. but tammy it's gonna be fun so tammy anything on your plate that you're interested in working on well it's it's been a while since i've uh attended um but since then, I have graduated from my data analytics boot camp and am actively looking for a job. So I would like to, there's my camera. Now I'm back in my office. <laughs> um, like to, to work on some things and, and maybe uh, improve my portfolio. Too cool, Tammy. Remind me, if you don't mind, what state you may be in, just so I kind of have a just knowledge. You don't have to share. I guess that's kind of personal information. But if you want to, that way I can kind of just understand the cannabis regulations in your space. <laughs> well, I am in the mountains of Virginia. Virginia. Yep. Yep. It's not as big of mountains as what's behind Hector. But. <laughs> well. So this is this it'll be interesting to see how Virginia pans out. So just to be frank, yeah. um there were it seems like there were maybe some people that you know saw the ball coming uh, before others. Uh just right. right, you know, if you you're in the right channels, you may have just kind of heard about this. So, you know, some people have been able to kind of get a good a good running at this, in particular hemp companies and there's no problem there. In fact, I've always been going on about, oh, hey, hemp companies, you know, you may want to think about positioning yourself 
uh, to, to enter, right? So it worked out well for the hemp growers in New York, big time. Um, well, I know there was uh, North Carolina <clears throat> is where I'm from. And the the farmers all around, uh, like right beside my in-laws house, they were growing hemp. And they stopped after one year because of there were vehicles running through their yard and through their fence to get to the field. It's, and it's crazy. Actually, that's a, an interesting complication that you raise is, you know, you've got to have security dialed in. Um, and it's maybe that's something that maybe people don't take into consideration with the outdoor, right? Because if you've got your indoor facility, you can put locks on your doors um, and have cameras. But you're right. Uh, I don't know if you could just put a hemp field right beside a highway. Um, and you're right. The people may be romping through. So, but, but anywho, um, like I said, it'll be interesting to see how things pan out. Um, I'm optimistic. Um, and then in Virginia, you're actually not that far from Maryland as well as the Northeast. So um, it's kind of getting up there, but, you know, New Jersey, uh, you know, there's a lot of action going on there. And, you know, with data analytics, you know, you can do a lot online. So it wouldn't. Right. So long story short is we'll show you some opportunities today uh, that pr primarily have to do with lab data. And you may want to think about reaching out to some of the laboratories in Maryland. I know a laboratory in New Jersey, but you may want to get in contact with more there. Um, New York, I don't know who's testing in New York, but probably somebody is. Um, so, I mean, so that's a start. Um, so that's what I started to do. The laboratories have a lot on their plate though. So um, there's a lot of people that need help with laboratory data. So in fact, the retailers, the retailers are probably going to be the easiest to get in contact with, but they're probably going to have the, you know, the, the highest guards up, right? They don't. Right, right. Uh, but it doesn't hurt. Um, so my recommendation is send some of these companies, find their, if they have a contact information on their website, um, you may want to, to reach out to them that way because someone's checking the inbox, right? Um, right. And so long story short is we're going to be doing some certificate of analysis parsing and it's all hands on deck and we're doing some in California. I was going to mention, going to see what we can't do in Washington state and Prince Colorado. So we can be in touch there. And then, like I said, the, the whole Eastern seaboard, right. Uh, you know, it's all hands on deck. So there's probably people over there that need certificate of analysis parsing as well. Right. But, but anywho, Prince, I know you're listening in, so feel free to chime in at any point. And then Grant, is there anything on your plate that, that you want to answer? Any data science topics on the brain? Uh, not particularly. I've actually I've just been struggling to actually find the time to join this meeting. I, I joined sort of right before you know you had set up the new time and everything. Um, uh, and yeah, I've just always had work meetings overlapping except for today. So yeah, I'm just stoked to just see just learn more. Honestly, 
happy to have you grant and happy the stars aligned um in fact that's not really uh the lesson of the day but it's something that's kind of a, a recurring theme stars aligning but anywho um candace anything on on your mind i know we've been doing a lot of certificate parsing so anything jumping out at you that that you'd like to share or thoughts for the future um thank you keegan uh let's see yeah we've been uh spending a lot of time uh web scraping urls and um and and uh parsing pdfs and it's been pretty cool we sure do have a lot of data and uh so what i have not completed is i wanted to do some plots on uh, uh terpene uh ratios uh and um but i haven't completed that yet i just started that today but we sure do have a lot of data so well we'll, we'll look at some terpene ratios today and it, one thing that's fun about them is that it's as we were talking about with john is it's sort of a, a good so like i like to call these sanity checks right so you do so much work um and it gets a little abstract that sometimes you just kind of need to put things down on paper and do a sanity check and so it's like you know we've done so much data wrangling like it's just time to visualize it a little bit just as a sanity check just see like okay you know are these percentages are they between zero and 100 what does the distribution look like so we'll do some of those things today it's just you know just important it's all like uh you know as a good data scientist rule number one you know look at the data it sounds great anywho george welcome to the group today we've got john too anything on your mind today george about data science with the merger of the cannabis industry and anything you'd like to answer i i have no idea i'm here to learn i'm a student i'm a master's of data science student at university of colorado boulder too cool so well I, i'm actually here for an assignment uh I, I have to attend a data science meetup and then do a write-up about it and this one seemed seemed interesting seemed to be one of the more interesting ones well i love i love it so is anything to get the you know the analytics name out there and so you know if the university of colorado points you in our direction then that's superb and in in fact, I think you'll walk away with with something out of it. Hopefully, lots of cool things going on. So, John, good to see you. We're just about to kick off with some of the showcasing of the new tools that we've built. So before we really dive into that, anything on your mind, cannabis data science related that you want to talk about, share? Check the mic. <laughs> You may have you're on mute, John. We can't hear you, John. So you'll have to sorry. Repeat. We can hear you now. Yeah, sorry. Awesome. It helps to unmute. Um, I'm real interested in what uh Boulder has in terms of uh data science curriculum and how you would be steered to something like this, George. Uh that's very cool. Uh, right. They have this this new uh, master's program uh, specifically for data science. I think it just it's new as of last year. It's about a year old now. And what uh, credentials do you need to get into it? I mean, uh, um, 
what kind of undergraduate degree are they uh, needing to get um, so they can get credential? Uh, it's pretty interdisciplinary. This this program is actually uh, they have uh, performance based admissions. So you take a few classes unenrolled, but I, I, my bachelor's is in computer science. I think bachelor's in any kind of math, applied math statistics would be, <laughs> that would be good too, that would work. And I think there are a lot of interdisciplinary people from that are coming from fields like biology. Excellent, well, uh, be happy to learn more. And I would just say you've got a good background, George. Computer science is one of the best background you could have and because you'll need to touch up you'll need to of course learn some statistics right a lot of the statistics is done under the hood but I always emphasize it's important to you know understand what's going on under the hood right in case something breaks uh, but for the most part once you understand the statistics then you can use it then the that's the easy part the hard part is getting your model right your statistical model your algorithm into production and so that's wide open um so that could be you know are you going to be running it in the cloud are you going to have your own server i mean you all you know all that jazz um so so that's sort of the fun part right so since you already have all those skills in your tool belt as you start learning you know you may want to I, in fact, I would recommend while you're at the University of Colorado, you may want to go get acquainted with some of the statisticians there, right? Because there's probably some brilliant statisticians there that um, you could learn a lot from in just 30 minutes or or more, you know, sit, sit, sit in on some of their lectures. Um, because if you can basically stack these skills, so you got your computer science, so you can ship your model and you know the statistics so you're not making rookie mistakes um and you actually know what you're doing then you're just gonna you know what a someone in uc irvine told me you're, you know you're gonna be selling like hotcakes right um, because you're actually going to be able to build and implement statistics that people need so too cool but enough of uh, ha hammering that home um but uh, let's let's just go ahead and kick off today, right? Be, um, and show you, you know, what you could actually do, you know, with statistics. Um, and computer science too, right? T today is actually going to be a computer science heavy day. Um, so just to go back, so I always like to look at the history of some of these technologies as. You know, John likes to remind me, and I always end up discovering a lot of these technologies aren't new. They're just better implementations of old technology. And so, you know, if you go, you know, hit Wikipedia, and um, so I didn't do anything fancy. So, you know, you know, look into this too. So it looks like uh, there was a character, Emmanuel Goldberg, who started, interestingly, it looks like parsing text from what I believe were early movie film. So maybe there were titles or credits that needed to be parsed. Um, so this, um, what's the right word? Innovative character 
came up with a way to programmatically or you know through a machine get characters um, and i guess he was turning them into telegraph code so really really early stages of what we'd call optical character recognition and this is where it's like you know it's such a small uh funny intertwined world right because this first device right the very first device to use optical characterish optical character recognition used um, a component selenium photosensors and just i got a laugh out of this because we're actually using a python package selenium so we're also using selenium in optical character recognition just a much different type of selenium uh, so i don't know if you get a laugh out of, out of that um those are the types of jokes that <laughs> that a uh, corny data scientist made me don't anyway. put that in your write-up hector it'll be a discouraging <laughs> note but uh and then this character so I recognize this name. So Ray Kurzweil, um, a technologist, I guess one would say. And interestingly enough, um, Ray Kurzweil started a company back in 1974 that essentially scanned documents and I guess I assume digitized them by recognizing the printed font. So once again, you know, here I'm thinking like, you know, I'm bragging to you that, you know, oh, you know, we're using this cutting edge technology, but really this is technology that you know, Ray Kurzweil has been using for almost 50 years now. So, you know, so we're just, so I get inspiration out of this in that it makes me think that, okay, you know, now we can just kind of use OCR just as sort of like a passive tool, almost like one would just use like a screwdriver. We're not quite there yet. It was still kind of a little complicated to use, but you know, it'd be not nice to think that this is going to be one of these standard tools. And you know, just to show you that you know you can make make a buck from parsing documents, right? So the Lexus Nexus parsing legal documents. And then once we hit the 2000s, there's tons of web-based applications. But I don't think there's that much open source optical character recognition. It, at least, I mean, I know the Pi, the Tesseract, which we're, we're using, was open sourced in 2018. So there may have been some open source technology before then. But So you'll have to, to look into that yourself. But that may have been a hurdle because maybe a lot of, I know like this first technology was patented. So it could have been some of this technology was patented for, for a while. But, but that's where my, where my, my research ends and my, my questions begin. But here's sort of the, the cannabis data science application is okay. In certain states, it's mandated. In most states, um, they're there for the asking. But if you go and buy a cannabis product, they're 
in almost every state man that i know of quality assurance is mandated so the producer has to send a sample to the laboratory to get tested for cannabinoids and contaminants this is interesting data in my opinion right um, so for example i'm working with the cannabis diary um, it's a mobile app that consumers can use to track their consumption right and so the idea is you know you can trend your cannabinoid consumption over time um, there's a lot more to the app uh, than that but but this is you know a use for the data but you'll have to get the data in a manner and and so the way you would do such is I mean, there's lots of ways, right? And this is why I was saying reach out to laboratories. Um, so, for example, I reached out to all the laboratories in uh, Washington State to see if, uh, I, you know, any were interested in, you know, trying to make this data easily accessible to consumers in a similar way that, say, SC Labs or MCR Labs in um, SE Labs is in California, MCR Labs is in Massachusetts, respect. So I was just seeing, okay, are any of you interested in, and one, one was, um, and so there may be, uh, you know, further information there, I'll, I'll kind of tease that and maybe talk about that more next week. Um, but, but that's just the start. Um, so for example, this is why I was saying, you may want to think, um, think about reaching out to the labs in Maryland, New Jersey and New York, and just say, hey, you know, are you interested in maybe sharing a template of your COA? So that way we can, you know, make sure that we can parse it. But then what I'm interested in is, is, is how well does this work in the wild? Um, and so that's what we may start testing out, you know, here in the, the near future, right? Is so now we've, and we'll demo it today. You know, we have the ability to extract the data from the actual PDF. We can do it from an image of the PDF. Can we do it from a wild image? So if, a, you know, because if somebody, you know, snaps a picture on their phone of a piece of paper, how good's the resolution going to be? With phones these days, it's shockingly good. Um, how lined up is the paper going to be? So you may have to do some fancy stuff there. But, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. So that's sort of, you know, on the roadmap is, you know, because how cool would that be, right? If you could just take a picture of a certificate and then all of a sudden all that data is now yours, um, which it should be, right? Because these are tests mandated for your safety, right? Um, or just your your knowledge and um, so then you can you know take that data and you know trend it uh, if, if you're in. i mean i'm a, see, see this is the thing um that george uh, and everyone else is you know once you learn say time series statistics you just want to look at everything as a time series so so anywho and then in particular so that so that's just a computer science exercise and then we actually need some statistics right and so the idea is okay what do we actually do with this data so once we've gotten this data 
which would basically be x. So we'll just have all the data. So you can think about x as just a, ve a vector of lab result data. So once you have all of that lab result data, could you actually use that to predict products that a consumer may enjoy? And, and then and before I open it up to questions, I would just like to say, so my background's in economics. And so enjoy has a pretty specific meaning to me. Um, and so, you know, to me, this was basically mean like, okay, you know, the, you know, the consumer's trying to maximize their utility from this product. Um, so actually the, the enjoy is a super loose word, right? So that could mean, right? Why are the, you know, the, we're basically, I'm just assuming, okay, this is a utility maximizing consumer. So enjoy is actually kind of a little subjective, I guess. So is that their, you know, well-being, you know, are they a medical consumer? Are they a recreational adult use consumer? So, so anywho, but any thoughts, comments, questions about the questions at hand before open it up to show you how we can solve this? Well, let's, before I bore you to death, <laughs> uh, let's just go ahead and talk about the, the algorithm and then we can go ahead and read in the data. So, so long story short is, you know, last week, we were basically just recommending products off of the average concentration. So we were just saying, okay, can we find products that are chemically similar to products that a consumer's purchased in the past? Um, and there was a typo in the code last week. Um, I'll show you how we can fix that. So um, in the meetup, we didn't get to it, but uh, the code's there. Um, but yes, you know, we can find the, the most chemically similar products. But a question was raised, well, what it, shouldn't we take into consideration how much the consumer actually likes a product? Um, and so that's where, does anybody remember sentiment analysis? So, so long story short is, we used reviews in the past to basically rank the consumer's sentiment of a product from zero to one. So instead of just taking a average of the cannabinoid concentrations, you could basically take a weighted average. So If you think about the edge case, so the, the binary case, zero or one, zero, the consumer doesn't like the product, one, the consumer likes the product. Then you would just take the average of, of the products that the consumer likes. So that's the easiest case. And that was sort of what I I just I just kind of conjectured last week was was a technique that you could do. But now we've formally put it into math. Um, and so this is just a weighted average. Um, 
George, you know, this is nothing fancy, but this is, you know, one of the reasons why it's good to get intimate with statistics because yes, you'll go way above and beyond, but you know, you'll also become intimately, probably too intimately familiar with weighted averages and just, you know, there's, you can go deep with statistics. Um, so I, I would, like I said, I would encourage you to, uh, to pick up some of those skills because I think they're useful. But anywho, um, you know, that's uh, the edge case zero or one. And then what you can do is just let theta, so this parameter vary between zero and one. Um, and then you'd get your continuous moving average where the closer it is to zero, the less the consumer like the product with 0 0.5 being neutral. And then everything, you know, greater than 0 0.5 to one, the consumer generally viewed as positive. Uh, okay, well, that's that's the the math behind everything. Um, and so now let's just, uh, any questions before we dive in? Is there survey data for the consumer sentiment or are you gonna to try to infer that? I'm not quite clear. We're going to use Leafly review data. So these are just okay. fictitious consumers. So we're just saying, oh, given this, well, there, there is, I guess, a real person behind the username, but to us, they're just usernames. But um, but yes, so we'll basically be making product recommendations for, I suppose, real users on Leafly. So I suppose if any Leafly users are watching this and we happen to use your namespace, then um, these may be pertinent product recommendations for you. Um, so. So, this so are is, you, I'm sorry, are you accessing a Leafly scale where it's like or don't like, or is it one of the response category scales or something? Leafly, you know, there's a number of them in the Leafly, sca Leafly scales. Excellent question, John. So essentially we're just working with the, um, the free form review. Oh, the text. Exactly. Okay. So, so given the text, we're using natural language processing to estimate a score between zero and one of how positive we think this consumer was with their review. Okay. Um, but but lot, lots to, to showcase real quick. Um, so just going to start reading in a bunch of, of helpful packages here. Um, and then we'll we'll just start walking through some of the code because we've got some some cool things here today. Um, so really just um, reading in a bunch of helpful Python packages. So you know if you're interested, I'll post the code to GitHub. And so I'll recommend to, that you would may want to read through it if you're interested in the code. Um, but otherwise, I'm just going to start working through here so that way we can um, get to some of the, uh, you know, the interesting um, work we're doing here. Okay, cool. So 
So in this repository, we've got a PDF. Um, and so this is a certificate of analysis that you may receive from a laboratory or from, say, if you're a consumer and you purchased Gaviota Mist at a retailer in California, perhaps you ask the retailer, hey, can I have their certificate? And maybe they gave you this PDF. So as I said, you know, the next step is, you know, can we do this if somebody just took, you know, free form pictures of each page? So that's sort of going to be, be the next hurdle. But I'll show you something cool that we can do. So So first things first, we'll want to just create just some temporary, um, whoops, this must not have made it where um, we want it to be. Um, oh well, um, I'm going to see where we are. Um, hopefully, we've got the images folder. Um, although, uh, oh, we must have made this. Oh, it's okay. We made this over in a, a the consumer Rex uh, folder by accident. Oh well. So, and anywho, um, actually, here let me just, uh, if you don't mind, let me just kind of restart this kernel uh, real quick. It will just be a bit more straightforward this way. That way we're kind of saving things where where we should be. Um all right, so anywho, we're we're gonna need to parse this PDF. Um and so we've been doing that in the past. No bit no big issue, but let's let's just have a look at this um at this pdf real quick um so in particular you know we're interested in this mist pdf um so mist what we can do is we can read this in with pdf plumber so as i always say you know someone call a plumber um so if we read in document then we can see the text of the document so we can just look at the first page get all the text this is what we've been doing here i'll just print out you know the first 30 characters uh-oh you know if we look at you know all the text so this is all the text on the first page we just get a bunch of CIDs. So that's not text. Um, and so I've kind of looked into this and this is just the standard that PDF Plumber returns when it doesn't recognize a character. So we're not recognizing any of the characters on the page. So instead of, so you could do a font lookup at this point, but going down that rabbit hole was unsuccessful for us. So what we decided to do was to implement 
optical character recognition. So at first it looked, it seemed like a daunting task, but it actually, I'll show you, it works out pretty well. So, you know, this is just a, a, a quick test just to see, oh, you know, yes, you know, we, we need optical character recognition. Cool. So how do we, how does one go about doing such? Well, interestingly enough, you actually first, you just start by converting all of these pages. Um, this may throw an error, actually. Um, but we should start generating these images. Um, so basically, the first step, um, got the al algorithm up here, is one. Uh, I think um, may not have created these directories. Um, sorry for the uh, the hold up here. Okay, first things first, turn them into images. I've got a feeling I, I just forgot the, the code up top to create that directory. Um, and one thing is um, I'm currently cranking the, the resolution up pretty high. Um, and so what I found is if the resolution's any less than 300, oh, here we are, then no, it's no good. Um, so here I'm just going to copy one of these images because they're temporary. So if you look at one of these, this is basically just an image of the first page of the PDF. So th this is where I realized that you know the consumer could potentially take these pictures if we can get the orientation correct, right? Because we're basically now working with a, an image, right? So one could think, you know, if you lined your phone up perfectly, you know, you could take such an image. And I'm curious if anyone else, if you want to look at this, you know, can we can we work with a wild image of a COA? But so that's the first step is basically create all the images. And then this is the fun part. Um, and so we're, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants. So we're just using Tesseract to turn this image into a PDF. And so Tesseract is an open source OCR library that you can install. You know, please get in touch with me if you need any help getting it installed. Um, and then once once it's installed, then you're essentially off to the races. Um, so we've got you know all these images here. So you know the six images of the six pages. And what file format are those images at this point? These are in PNG. Dot PNG. Okay. So it was recommended. Um, so we did a couple things here. If anyone's interested, uh, so we. Technic so this was a, a function I found on Stack Overflow, but technically we're basically 
removing the alpha channel and um a computer scientist may need to help me with this um perhaps this has to do something with transparency or uh yeah the alpha channel is transparency that's right okay so as i said i'm not 100% sure, you know, if this is necessary, but this was sort of the recommended way to turn a PDF to a PNG. So, in fact, George or anyone else, you know, that's sort of the benefit of having this code open sourced is, you know, feel free to look through this, this function and see if this, this is appropriate, you know, is a PNG, in fact, appropriate? Or would a different file format be appropriate? Um, but I think what this is doing is if the PDF has a transparent background, I think we're just giving it a white background right. so we can That's right. so we can recognize the text better. Um, so it may, once again, it may be overkill, but that that's part of the algorithm. So important, it could be important. Um, and then essentially just one by one this is where we're actually using the optical character recognition and like i said this is what why i was talking about like ocr as a um almost like a screwdriver right um so we're just we're not an ocr company it's just a tool that we use right so it's like you know when you're building a house you know you may use a screwdriver um, so you know when you're building an app you may use ocr um, so the so now you know you can actually you know recognize this text here um, so I'll, I'll you know prove that we can do that uh, here in python so right so now we've got missed zero um, so now let's see you know if we can't Right, so this is what I call a sanity check, right? So as you're programming, it's worth just saying, oh, you know, can we just read in miss zero, um, you know, before we, you know, go too much further, you know, can we actually get the text on this page? And dun, 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 drum roll. We don't have a bunch of CIDs. And so now the idea is, oh, now you can just go about parsing as usual. And so it's not necessarily an easy feat. Um, so PDF Plumber has methods for extracting tables. Um, and, there, and if any of you think of clever algorithms for how to parse the actual data, that's, that's kind of where I think the main value is added because we're basically using tools to recognize all the text. Um, and then basically the value added part is writing a custom algorithm to essentially be able to handle all the nuances of, of the formatting choices that people chose. And like I said, if you can, the grand scheme of this is to create a generalized parsing algorithm. So that way, the algorithm simply smart enough to recognize that this 86.04% corresponds to total cannabinoids. Um, easier said than done, but eh, if you're clever, um, 
capitalize on this opportunity. Um, but we're this is sort of what we've been working on. So we've been um, so if you're interested, uh, we basically have a specific algorithm to parse this COA, and it's it's not glamorous. It's just um, just you just uses the way the text is laid out. But um, but but this is the important part is just proving that you can in fact read the text. So as I said before, right before it was just all CID. That's useless to us. And um, now we actually have useful data. And as I said, it came from an image. Um, so that's just kind of just kind of cool. Um, and then I just to kind of show you this in the wild. Um, you, technically, what you can do now is right. So now you have six individual PDFs. Well, then just merge them back together. Um, and then uh, here I'm just removing uh, the unused PDFs just because I just, right, George, this is something that you, you'll pick up, right? And so this is why it's useful to have the computer science background is you just kind of have to have that foresight that, yeah, we can't have, you know, thousands of thousands of high resolution PDFs just redundantly laying around, right? That's just going to be a lot of storage. Um, so I'm just doing a little bit of data cleanup. Um, but um, what did we, we did save this, right? Um, we just saved it as the test PDF. Um, so here is just the PDF. And so now, you know, we should be able to say, okay, let's say this doc is now the test PDF. Uh, you now can just say, okay, you know, for, well, first you have to read it in. Um, here. So you open the doc and then you can just say, okay, you know, for page, you know, in report.pages, um, you just extract the text from each page and handle that accordingly. And so just pair yourselves a bunch of texts. Um, so, so wall of text. Uh, so you've heard of the wall of sound. Well, now we give you the wall of text. So anywho, now you have, you know, all the data from this COA. And, you know, it, it could be worse um you know to be honest right we did some patent scraping and legal documents are honestly much worse right there the formatting is great like every single legal document may be different here you know at least every every certificate from canalysis labs is the same um so just to go ahead to just to quit teasing you so so there's all the data well, we want that data. Um, and so, like I said, if you're interested in the algorithm, um, check it out. But we should just be able to use one of these tools we built, COA doc. And we just say, hey, you know, let's and check this out. I'm starting with, let's start with the original mist. 
that we couldn't identify. So this is the doc that we couldn't identify. Confirm. Now, drum roll. So it's, it's, remember, this is going to take a hot second. And I think we can hopefully watch it happen as it happens. Um, but, you know, essentially just packaged this same functionality, the convert to images, convert to PDF. Yep, see, there are the images being generated. Then we don't need the images anymore. So I'll remove those once the PDFs are created. So here you see PDF 01. Um, and, you know, so we'll convert all the pages. Um, and then at that point, um, you know, COA doc has a bunch of built in algorithms. Um, I wonder. Sorry, about kind of over, uh, kind of overblowing the memory here. Um, oh well, like I said, um, okay. This is the the important part. Thanks. So this is this is the value that I think Canlytics added is now given this PDF, which you know originally was you know just just as good as an image. We can now get all the data from it, in particular, all these results. So, for example, you've got your delta 9 THC, 83.27. Um, so that should be in this table. So 83.27 for delta 9 THC. So now you don't have to do any manual data entry. So now, you know, if you say you want to trend the milligrams of THC that you're consuming, which is something that I'm interested in doing because I heard a saying, you know, if you're not measuring it, you're not managing it. So I'm curious about this. And then, as I said, you know, the, basically the, what the Cannabis Diary app is doing is um, recording consumption in tandem with say your activities of the day um and you know maybe your reviews as well so that way you can you know see you know are are these compounds you know having a positive or a negative effect on you right so was it a bad day how many milligrams of uh, thc did you consume or was it a good day how many milligrams did you consume and like i said you know maybe um you may be over consuming you may the under consuming um, say if this is something you need right this is 100 up to you but like i said um this is just something that i personally was interested in um and that's george you may have already figured this out but that's kind of how you start with a, or that's how you can start with a good app is if you just find a problem in your own life and say hey you know how can i fix this um or you know you can find a problem in someone else's life or, or a problem in someone else's business and solve that right that's what business models are all about but but this is a method um for like a consumer app um so what's a problem in my life how can i solve it 
Can I build an app to solve that problem? Would other people be interested in using that app? Um, so, so long story short is, you know, now we can not only just get the, the THC and CBD, which may be, you know, you could enter that in by hand, but now we get alpha cedrine, alpha pinene, alpha terpineol, you know, it's it's kind of miraculous the amount of compounds that are in a cannabis plant and good folks like john at the cesc are currently researching what in the world may some of these compounds like what effect may they have on you um and different people right everyone's got different biochemistries and you know this is where i mean my knowledge is already stopped right so it's like you know first you first things first i'd be interested in trending thc and cbd but then what's you know what's going on with all of these analytes you know maybe they have meaningful meaningful effects um and so we're we're essentially using these you know this is what i talked about or x bar so all of these, this is basically our, we're basically going to create a vector of all of these results. Um, so to kind of, so, so that's the, the OCR. Um, and, you know, I promised you a data science exercise. So if you can hang out for 10 more minutes, then I'll go ahead and show you here how you could actually use this data. Um, so I think if I just change this data directory, then everything should be okay. Um, all right. So now we're just going to use a big data set of you know these lab results and so the idea is okay awesome you know we've now have a mechanism to parse all of this data you know and, and like like i said you can look at contaminants too um because it's here look at this so this is actually an important thing that i kind of want to take a tangent on um just to kind of help Right, it's Canvas Data Science after all, so just to kind of help people understand uh, what's going on in the cannabis industry. So this here is a concentrate. So this is concentrated cannabis. So what people do is they use some sort of um, solvent uh, to basically concentrate down the cannabinoids and then typically these solvents aren't something that you want to be consuming so they're typically purged well not typically they are you know they try to purge as much of this as possible ideally 100 percent from the product but you know as we've kind of found out with chemistry you know dealing with 100 percent are difficult and so the idea here is it looks like this is in ethanol concentrate um, because basically it looks like 
this laboratory has a detection limit on their residual solvents. Um, I'm not sure if it says anywhere right off the bat. Oh, here, here it says. So they can detect down to 10. Um, please correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I think this is, this may just be micrograms. Um, but yeah, that's micrograms. Okay, so so the, so they can detect down to ten micrograms, um, but they can only quantify up to fifty micrograms. So so technically, this product here has between ten and fifty micrograms of ethanol in it. Um, Per gram, you always have to per, per have gram. To, yeah, you have to normalize it to an input. Well, we may even have a oh, it's a half gram uh, concentrate. No, but the the unit is is micrograms per gram. I, I know. I was just wondering if I accidentally uh, spoke uh, correctly, uh, even though I misspoke. Um, John's correct. It's uh, this is between forty nano, uh, micrograms per gram. Given that it's a half a gram concentrate, then you would expect around. You would write uh, you, your expectation would be twenty micrograms per gram of ethanol. And like I said, that's up to the consumer to decide. That may be a negligible amount of ethanol, um, right? Uh, right. So, for example, somebody once told me that, I mean, if you're using a butane lighter, you're maybe consuming a non-negligible amount of butane. That's a possibility. Um, that's actually some research that I would love to see somebody do with one of those, um, you know, inhalation machines. But th those are at laboratories. But here, let me stay on track here. Um, but, but anywho, this is kind of this was one of the reasons I was thinking that it was important to parse these. Um, is this one less than the LOQ? You know, this one, this one may be negligible. But remember, you know, the action limit is uh, is five thousand. So technically, you could have a concentrate pass at. 4,999 uh, micrograms per gram. Probably a laboratory probably wouldn't pass that. I mean, they may, um, but right, the, I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to ask laboratories what their policy on that would be. Um, but you do, right, this is something that we looked at in Washington State is you do see high levels that do get passed, right? Like 4,200 or 4,800 would probably pass. And as I said, that's up to the consumer to decide, 100% um, up to the consumer. They may say, hey, I'm consuming tons of butane. I, I don't really, I don't, I don't care about this small amount. Maybe they do care about the small amount. Um, you know, I, I, I for one, I primarily just care about uh, detections of pesticides. So that's what I look at. I just, I love to see the full clean panel, um, whether there's any 
logical sense to that. I'm not 100% certain yet. Um, but it's just one of those things where, you know, even if I see a, a hit, I'm just a little skeptical of, you know, are there hot spots in the flower? And maybe we just didn't test one of the hot spots or I don't know. Like I said, every consumer has their own preferences. Those are just my own preferences. But um, the main point is if you actually bought this concentrate at the store, they may have the total cannabinoids or the total THC labeled. But, you know, the chances of them having, you know, all 20 to 40 terpenes plus, you know, they're, you know, the, the retailer is not going to put uh, this, uh, technically, this is a detect, right? So they wouldn't put a, this product with, we detected ethanol in it. And, you know, if it's an ethanol concentrate, you know, like I said, it's chemistry, you know, you may not ever really be able to purge 100%. Um, but anywho, I just kind of wanted to go down that rabbit hole just because, this, these are things that I kind of take for granted because I spend a little time at the laboratory, so I'm just kind of familiar with these abbreviations. But if these abbreviations are new to you, then then um, maybe you've gained some insight there. But enough of that nonsense. Um, let's actually look at the data, right? That's what that's what we um, uh, that's what we came here to do. Um, here, let's just work with the data file we were working with last week because it was behaving better. Um, uh, so the idea is these are just um, a bunch of uh, value <clears throat> values that we've already parsed. So we, we if you look at say raw gardens website you can see that they have they actually have hundreds of these canalysis coas so that's why we originally wanted to parse these is now we can parse hundreds of their coas um, and i think today we're just working with a sample of a hundred or a thousand cool so you know if you plot the so we're just gonna start doing some plots um, and I'll try to get through everything quickly. So thank you all for, for staying so long. So long story short is you've got the data, let's look at it. So we're just going to care about two terpenes today. Um, as I said, you know, you could use 40. Um, we're just gonna use two today just as a proof of concept. Um, but and then we're just going to use a bunch of consumer reviews. And actually, I just realized the uh, the weighting average part may have an error. So I can at least walk you through um, uh, the sentiment analysis. Um, and then if we run into a because I think the problem on uh, this weighted average here is I was uh, we're working with a vector um, and not a one-dimensional um, scalar. 
if that's the correct terminology, it's been a hot minute. Um, in fact, I can maybe even uh, try to uh, maybe be able to change this to a scalar really, really quick um, while the data loads. So long story short is I'm going to be using the log of beta pining to beta limine, limine as my predicting factor um, because um, I, we talked about it in the past. Um, so as I said, you can build your own prediction model. And this, that's why I was saying the fun part, once you get the statistics down, is actually just um, thinking of good variables to use and wrangling them. <laughs> um, so OK. The reviews, we have maybe 42,000 reviews. So that takes a hot minute. I always kind of push push my computer to, to its limit with the with the streaming and all. Um, to, uh, the, but it's OK. Um, so just checking to make sure everyone's still here. OK. OK. Just seeing if we can't free up some bandwidth. So while the, the reviews is the reviews are loading, I'll just go ahead and start wrapping up um, for today. And then we'll maybe get, look at one last visualization and then get out of here. Um, I'll let you get out of here and get, get on with your day. But basically last week, you know, we said, okay, start somewhere and then iterate. And then I just wanted to build on that today and just say, you know, the place where you begin doesn't have to be perfect. Um, and so this is, you know, we're basically actually just using the lessons of uh, gradient descent um, and actually putting those into application sort of in our real life. So this is sort of going to be, you know, a real life gradient descent function um, where it's, um, you know, you just start somewhere um, and iterate um, and just, you know, if you go somewhere and it's not the right direction, you know, go backwards. Um, and then if you go somewhere, it is in the right direction, just keep going more in that direction. That's gradient descent in a nutshell. Um, okay, so <laughs> enough of that nonsense. Um, okay, real quick, just to show you some, some cool statistics um, and then you, uh, let you maybe go explore the data on your own. So we said, okay, we've got a whole bunch of reviews. And I'll just say, oh, you know, let's just look at the uh, this first one here. And basically, it's just going to be a block of text. And so given a block of text, you know, can we rank this, you know, zero to one? And so if you're particularly interested in this, we actually did a, a whole talk on sentiment analysis. I'm not sure if it's uploaded yet. If, if not, then sure, then hopefully soon. Just kind of want to put up the, uh, these last couple of uh, visualizations. Um, and then um, 
we did cover a lot of ground with the optical character recognition, so we may want to save some of these cons consumer recommendations. But I've been droning on for a lot while these figures are rendering. Does anyone have any questions, comments, or thoughts about some of the material we covered today? Basically, here's the review. And you know, you could basically get a ranking of this review. Um, and th that would be, I think, minus one to one. Um, so this should be a, a positive review. It's basically one plus. That would be between on a scale of zero to one. This review, we would give a 0.65. So, you know, not the, the most favored uh, cannabis product out there, but, you know, not the least. And so the idea is, okay, you know, you can kind of combine these, right? So ask your consumers how they, they liked a product and you could just ask them to write a free-form review and so that's what uh, the cannabis diary is doing they're essentially saying hey journal about your day you know what did you consume today journal just 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 journal um and so then we could actually do the you know the sentiment analysis where okay here's your block of text was it a good day bad day and then you could you know, correlate this to the the actual um, right. So, for example, this this review right here has what's um, this has you know chemicals related to it. So this has 0.11 percent beta pinene. Um, you know, so on and so forth, you know, if you're interested in the THCA. Um, okay, so that one's primarily Delta 9 THC. Um, that could just be uh, how the lab measured that one. But anywho, um, uh, let's see if this runs into an error here. Um, if it does, we may need to save save this. Okay, okay, we may need to save the the product recommendations for next week. My apologies. Um, just still have one one last error to to, to sort out. So, uh, it's been a, a long time coming. So, so bear with me for the setup. But but that's sort of um, that's sort of the the idea in a nutshell is. Um, you know now that we've we have all this data here so you have all of the cannabinoid concentrations and you have somebody's review well you know now we have all of the pieces of the puzzle that we need to do product recommendations incorporating the consumer sentiment of each product and so this i think would be a pro 
consumer algorithm, right? Algorithms have just been getting a bad rap uh, in the news lately. But, you know, it's just the word, right? Um, it, algorithm, it's just a step of instructions. And that's what it is in my book. Um, and so this is a step of instructions that I think would benefit consumers, right? And I think this incorporates a critical piece that a cannabis data science member brought up in, in that not only do you just want to, you know, recommend consumers, um, you know, based on their history, but you also want to base it off of, you know, the essentially the how well they reacted to each product. So just because they bought a product doesn't necessarily mean you want to recommend that product again. And in fact, um, if they didn't like that product, uh, you, you, right, you definitely don't want to recommend that one again. So right, so if the, so if they truly got you know a zero for a product, that wouldn't even be included in your algorithm. So the idea is. Theoretically, right, they should just keep recommending consumers products that they like more and more and more until I I guess it would stabilize, right? So I ideally, right, you'd hit right your long-term X bar. That's just your favorite strain, right? You finally figured it out, right? So you just tried a bunch of different strains in the store, wrote your review got your product recommendation for the next one, and then you sort of gradually find the one you like the best, and then there you go. Um, then that would be your uh, your maxima. Um, so so, the, so we're basically, right, it's that great gradient descent, right? So then you reach your, your optimal point. So yeah, I just kind of thought about that now. But yeah, I think this, uh, would yeah help uh, consumers find the the optimal their optimal product in the long run but i'll have to think more about that um i would like to make two points as we close please. um there are there's one gaping hole still that um we certainly uh at cesc are trying to fill and we have a an app uh that has been launched in proof of concept and is a we're currently seeking funding to to re, uh release version two it's called the dosing project and it's called dosing project for a reason because we're trying to come up with dose and amounts that are used and unless you specifically query or figure out a mechanism to get that into this data series you are missing a crucial piece of information maybe this was too strong and they overdosed or maybe they underdosed or whatever so absent the dosing piece um you're you've got a hole and we're certainly working to try to fill that uh the other major point i might make is in all of this there's an inherent survey bias um if you don't like a product you're not necessarily going to take the time to review it. Also, it is possible, we are seeing hints of this in the data that we analyze, that certain strains may be associated with couch locked. You're not gonna write a review because you're too couch locked. 
So interestingly, there may be a strain uh, bias that causes this too. So one of the fixes may be not to have people rate, but to look for repeat purchase. And especially if in your COAs, you put unit coding into it. In other words, um, it's not just the COA, the, the, the uh, lot number is not just what the batch is, but there's an actual merchandise ID sequential code. And we've done this at one point on a test launch of a product a couple of years ago. We put actual batch, actual item number counting. So if you're reporting or you review something or you put it in your diary or wherever you report it, but if you're looking for a repeat measure with a different lot number, that's a pretty good clue or a, 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 diff, a, a, a different item number. That's a pretty good clue that you're in favor of this product because you bought it again or you got it again. And that may be, at the end of the day be the most potent indicator of product recommendation. Ooh, can I jump in? Because you basically have raised three good points um, and I'll re address them in reverse order. Um, that's my, how my memory works. The last point you picked up is basically what I was talking about is this is how what economists like to talk about at lunch or statisticians or data scientists is what variables should you use? And so essentially I would say, okay, repeat purchase, that's a variable. So you could almost use that as a dummy variable, zero, one. If somebody's purchased it before, it gets a value of one. If they've never purchased it before, it gets a value of zero. Include that variable in your model. And as you said, it may be quite an effective predictor. Um, and like I said, it, it can enter your model in more sophisticated ways than that, right? Maybe it enters in um, in the in the averaging somehow. So so long, so that was that one point, which was brilliant. Um, the second point was me just kind of defending the work is. Uh, the reviews we have are quite flawed and as you said we we actually encounter sampling bias because not everybody left a review and so that's where um, that kind of hits on the third point is that's really where the value added comes from the dosing project the cannabis diary maybe an app you're working on is marrying the product data with the test results and the review too so, um and so and john you're doing that in a clinical study um and so that way you're getting you know everybody so that way you don't have sampling bias um so um so to so your solving problem two um by by number one which is what you're doing um so that gets to the third point uh, your first point which was the dosing project and that's where i think you're adding a lot of value. You're marrying the so con, or contextualizing, if you want the more formal word, contextualizing the product with the lab result with the consumer's outcome, so to speak. So their uh, effects, sentiment, well-being, utility, whatever word, enjoyment 
um, whatever word uh, you really want to use or your you know which what you're measuring right maybe maybe this is a medical patient and they've got a very quantifiable outcome um so as i said the sky's the limit um and that's that's what's fun about this we're just unlocking data um, and you know, you're just using tools, right? Um, and so that's where it was, it was kind of saying everything kind of came together. And next week, I'll finally wrap it up and actually give you some product recommendations. So maybe we'll just do that first thing next week and not do a bunch of fancy stuff. But now we have all the fancy stuff in our tool belt, right? If any of you need help with uh, the optical character recognition, reach out to me because this is something that you can you should be able to get installed on your computer your computer and just be able to regularly use which is awesome because who knows what cool uses you'll think of for it um you know and then and then i just and then we just did our demonstration of how you can wrangle this this data in the canvas industry so i'll let all of your minds chew on this i know i've taking up a lot of your time. So I just want to thank you all for coming because it's you and your ears that help advance all of this, right? So it's us bouncing ideas off of each other, working with each other. So I want to give a big thanks to Candace who really tested all of this data parsing. So, so the reason we have all this fun data to look at today is because of Candace. So big thanks to Candace. Thank you, Candace. And John too, uh, for yeah, yeah, really, John, really getting too. this ball rolling. Because actually, right, I'm taking the data now, and I'm going to uh, start uh, looking at the ratios between the uh, lemonine and the beta pinene, and uh, and uh, it's all really great. It's very exciting what Canalytics Be is doing. Be careful on that. You're talking about for the um, raw gardens. Yes. Yeah, be careful because that comprises a number of different product types and it's a mishmash. We have to subset by product right. to make sense out of this. That Don't over, go overboard on the analysis of that until we've done that. Oh, right. I was just uh, putting it into a data frame and then uh, selecting okay. the columns and then X, Y, and then plot. That's all I was kind of doing. Okay. And yeah, but unless we have subtypes, it's kind right, of meaningless. It was it was more for a reality check, just so that we could check all this new data and all this uh, OCR parsed PDFs. It's just crazy amazing, and um, so we have so much more data. So I was just going to rerun the same plots, uh, just ratio, not even using like uh, KNN or anything fancy. May I encourage you to use the beta caryophylline alpha eumulene ratio instead of the pinene, the beta pinene limonene oh. ratio? Oh, I'm on the hook doing both. Okay, uh, excellent. I'll because I think the Slack today. Okay. Um, and just in general, are you guys comfortable now with the um, tesseract and PNG pairing? That's interesting news for me if that's the case it's pretty pretty well ironed out um so like i said we, we haven't tried any images in the wild so that's the next step is i'm not images in the wild are not going to be all that current because most people don't get access to paper copies of this 
Well, ask your ask your retailer next time you're there. Um, and then and then like I said, the, it's good that you're doing a reality check, Candace, just making sure we've got numbers yeah. and not I think the image is the more important one. But well, oh. actually, Keegan, it was your suggestion to look for outliers. True. Um, so give yourself a hand. It, it is important. Um and in fact, I I'll get, leave you with two bits of nuggets. Um, the first is I'll make the code available online so that way you can continue exploring and maybe fix this product recommendation and beat me to the punch. And then the two is, um, I know I've got about this on Saturday morning statistics, is outliers are surprisingly interesting. Um, right, we talked about the, whoops, we talked about those with patents, right? Um, so a lot of times you may exclude outliers, but if you're doing a patent hunt, then you want to find the outliers. Um, so uh, they're always worth looking at. Maybe there's something going on there. Um, so anywho, I'll, we've taken up a lot of time, so I definitely kind of want to get you all out of here to be respectful of your time. But I love, I love the enthusiasm. So please keep it up, and I'll share all the code with you. So that way you can go get your hands on it all, explore, and we can reconvene next week. And we'll at least do the uh, consumer recommendations and then we'll have time to do some sort of fun other data science exercise. So please let me know if you want something, otherwise I'll think of the funnest thing I can. And yeah, we can have a, you know, a fun time crunching numbers again. Mm -hmm.